0: Hallelujah. Well, be careful tomorrow. It's supposed to be 100 degrees and 108 degrees. Uh, well, they call it heat index. So you don't want to be caught out in it. You know, you're getting old like me, it'll be a lot of sweat on my brow. <laughs> You know, be careful, that's all, drink a lot of fluids, take good care of yourself. Didn't we have a wonderful weekend of a com- women's conference? Yeah. Sister Virginia, are you tired a little this week? <laughs> well, we had some good messages that came forth, and, and it was an excellent weekend. And now we can look forward to a year from now having another good one. But uh, in between that, we've got to do some other things. Uh, in October the 20th through the 22nd will be our 20-year anniversary as a, an organization. Or actually, we formed the corporation 21 years ago, but then we didn't start the church until 2003 in October, the 19th was the first Sunday. So that particular weekend is about as close as you can get to 20 years from the first uh, Sunday service that we held. We've had a lot of changes, a lot of people come and go. Some people have passed away. It's just been, you know, uh, a part of life. Part of life is sometimes we lose people. And they go on to be with the Lord. And so, you know, it's a it's a time of staying, standing, no matter what. Twenty years ago, I was 45 years old. Boy, that doesn't seem likely, does it? <laughs> Man, I had hair. I was younger. I had a lot of energy. And now I just have to try to stay young. Sixty-five. That's hard to say, 65 sometimes, but it's okay. You know, in the Lord, I've probably got another 30 years. That's what I'm thinking, 35 maybe. My mother-in-law is 99 on her way to 100. Why not me? You know, we can all stay the course. We take good care of ourselves and stay in the Word. Moses, he he could still see real good, and his strength was the same, At 80, as when he was a young man, you know, so, you know, I'm hoping to stay strong and fit and go the long haul. Well, we're talking, this is part five, we're talking about being called and chosen. Who is chosen by God? You know, how do we know we're chosen? You got to go through some stuff to be chosen by God to do certain things. You know you don't just get it because of your name you don't just get it because of your looks you know or you don't get it because of your uh athletic prowess or even how smart you are or how many degrees you have you know miles monroe when i had him speak for me in 1993 i think it's february as after hurricane andrew had wiped us out and I had him come to encourage the area. And and, uh, he got up and he talked about having his bachelor's in this. And then he said, I had a master's in this. And then he talked about his doctorate. And he said, they're all degrees. And he went like this and showed a little bitty spot. He says, just a degree. You know, it's 360 degrees in a circle. So the point he was making is... Just because you're educated doesn't mean you know everything. It's not wrong to get educated and to learn. In fact, it's an important thing to try to learn. God honors you for learning the Word. You know, the Bible even says you should know the Word. You should rightly divide the Word of God. You know, you should be able to divide the Word of God correctly. But Matthew 2016 that's been our theme verse, our text. So the last will be first, and the first last. For many are called, but few chosen. Many are called, but few chosen. And uh, that shows you something there, that a lot of people are called. You know, even in the sports world, in baseball, for instance... The St. Louis Cardinals have 26 players that are on the bench or on the field at a ball game, but they've got hundreds of players in their system in what we call the minor leagues. They've got two or three A-League teams and a rookie team, and then they've got double-A team in Springfield. They've got a triple-A team in Memphis, Tennessee, so they got a whole lot of players but only if you are chosen to play on the big team in St. Louis, you have to acquire a certain level of ability. And Because you were good in high school doesn't mean you'll be great in college. I'm, a, I'm proof of that. I was pretty good in high school. In college, I hurt my arm, and I was not any good anymore. And so, you know... Just because you played in one level doesn't mean you'll play at the next level. In the kingdom of God, you have to prove yourself. You have to prove that your calling is, you know, He didn't just call you and now you've arrived. No, He calls us and He chooses us when we have proven that we're able to meet the need. We're able to do what He's requiring of us. And so... You know, I'm looking here. The word called, you'll probably see it on the screen, is kletos. It means invited or appointed. You know, you're invited to come forward. You know, you're called. God's put his hand on your life. I was called in the ministry probably when I was 11 years old. That's a, the that's a earliest I can really remember a calling. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. My dad threw me over his shoulder and carried me to the car. I went to bed, woke up speaking in tongues the next morning. And I was just 11 years old. And then I went out and I tried to witness to all my friends at school. I went to Mark Twain. By then I was in the new Mark Twain school building. I wasn't in the old, I was in the old first, second, and third grade. Now it's a museum today. That shows how old I am that my elementary school's a museum. (laughs) But, you know, I, I felt called. So I started trying to preach to all my friends. And they started teasing me and calling me Preacher Boy. And I went to Sunday school class, and we all gathered together in what they call the junior area. And Sister Frances Gamblin was in charge of that group. And I told her what had happened to me. And she was so proud of me that I was being called preacher boy. And uh, that she was the director of my department of Sunday school. And I was in the sixth grade class, you know, group. And all of us little guys, you know, were in there. And uh, she was an honorable lady. She's the one that taught me to memorize the books of the Bible. I had Caleb went did that, and I gave him a certificate because he could quote all the books of the Bible in order. I said, if you can do that, I'm going to give you a certificate. And I recognized him in front of the church. Remember that? Do you still have that certificate? You don't know? Better get a frame for it and put it on the wall because that's something when you know all the books of the Bible. But I learned all the books of the Bible because of her, and she was inspiring she was one of the ones that built the paid most of the money to build the christian school building out that is now fcc i used to have my office in that building tracy at where fcc is that my office was in there i ran a christian school in that building for three years and uh she just loved me you know like i was a son and uh She would write me letters when I moved to Florida, and she would say, I wish you were still here. This school really needs you still, and so on. And I'd write her back and say, I'm sorry, Sister Gamblin, but God called me to be a pastor more than he did call me to be a school principal. And uh, I'm praying that God will keep that school going, and he did for a long time. But anyway, you're called, and are you chosen? We're chosen because we go through. We don't get stopped by something. We go through whatever it is that we're facing, and God sees that we have passed the test. See? So that's, that's an important thing. The word chosen is the word eklipo, and it means selected or elected. See, when somebody's chosen to be in office, they were elected by all the voters. Well, God selects you. That means that you have been elected by Him to serve in a certain capacity or in a certain way. So it's important to understand that you're selected, you're elected, you're chosen. Now... I've got a statement for you, I think. Do I have a statement? Only those who are called and chosen, that's two words, only those who are called and chosen can press through to fruitfulness and successful victory in ministry. I renewed the calling of God on my life to preach when I was 22 years old. And I was in a youth service on a Wednesday night in New Orleans And I was a youth leader, you could say. And they also liked me to help in the altars and the main services. And uh, we were leaders in the school. We were coaches and teachers in the Christian school. And there was a message in tongues and and a translation interpretation came out and said, I have called you to the ministry and I need you to accept it or I will have to find another to take your place. Man, that hit me like a ton of bricks between my eyes, Sister Sheila. I knew it was me. And I went up, There's a handful of others too that went forward, but I went up and cried before the Lord and said, okay, Lord, I will go where you want me to go. I will do what you want me to do and I will preach the gospel where you want me to preach. And so that was in the spring. I turned 23 by then after that and I after the school year was out I became a security cop uh, for the ministry the ministry had 6,000 plus people that went there and so I became one of the security guards I wore the uniform and the billy club and all that stuff I didn't carry a gun it's probably a good thing I might have been like Barney Fife and shot my foot or something but Uh, Anyway, we watched the parking lot, made sure people got in without getting robbed and that kind of thing. And when I had some time off, I had called up to southeast Missouri. I wanted to go see my my parents. And so I ended up preaching services for uh, a brother, Fred Beckett, at Campbell Assembly of God Church. I preached services for, at that time... Brother Truett was an interim pastor at First Assembly out Northtown North of Town because they had a pastor that left. So I preached for him. I preached for a pastor in Bloomfield, Brother Reagan was his name. And I preached in Dexter for a man named Frank Heitman. So, so I preached in all those places. And then I preached a youth rally for the Assemblies of God called a CA rally in Cape Girardeau at First Assembly there. Uh, I preached a youth rally, and I even preached at a minister's meeting. They would have a speaker. They'd have a minister's business meeting, and they'd have a speaker. So I did that also in Cape Girardeau. I preached at Sykeston First Assembly. Uh, my dad let me preach. He was pastoring Birds Corner, Missouri, Assembly of God. So I preached there uh, a couple-day meeting. Anyway, I just went to a lot of places— and Bug Goins showed me on his, he keeps all his, uh, you know, you got a year's calendar. he showed me on the calendar where I went and preached for him, too, down at Family uh, Worship Center in 1981. So, uh, and I also preached for him in like 1985. But it was funny how he had that. I didn't even remember that I'd been there in 81, but then I kind of vaguely put it together. And... Uh, Back in those days, I'd play my trumpet. I'd play a song. Then I'd sing with the soundtrack. I'd sing the song, You're Forgiven. You're forgiven. Da-da-da-da. Anyway, I had to have the words in front of me. But still, every good evangelist back in those days had a, a certain talent. So I would sing a song, and I would play a song in those days. And so... Uh, is quite interesting at that. And anyhow, I went ahead and accepted it. Now, I preached when I was 19 because my aunt and uncle begged me to come preach a youth rally. And just to get them off the telephone, I said yes. And I brought Hank Bowes with me and preached out at Alf- Alfred Sadler's uh, youth rally on a Saturday night out there at North End Holiness is what they called it back then. And I preached out, rally. four youth got saved that night. and I cried through the sermon because it was so poor. It wasn't that good a sermon. <laughs> so I cried. You, you know, if you don't have a good sermon, just cry. It works. But anyway, I started trying to accept the being called. But I didn't realize how hard it would be at times because I thought, oh, if I could just get paid for being a pastor... And then I became a youth pastor, and then I, it wasn't all that glorious, you know. And you got to deal with all kinds of young people, and some of them are rebellious, and you know. Once I gave in, I was a coach. I was used to telling them, "Look, if you don't straighten up, you're gonna get down and give me 25 push-ups," you know. But you can't do that to the youth group, but I did that to my ball players. <laughs> but anyway, I, I kept getting opportunities, and I would preach youth rallies and such as that over those years, and then I ended up with singing groups, and and I traveled with them, and they'd sing a concert, and then I'd get up and preach five, ten minutes and make an altar call, and did a lot of things like that, and ended up youth pastoring at different places and associate pastor and running bus ministries. You know what is a lot of work? the ministry being called to the ministry is not just piece of cake it's not like country club living it's hard work to be in the ministry you got to pay a price it takes a lot out of you you got to have your attitude aligned with the word of god you can't get mad at everybody you know you got to love people even the ones that tick you off you know you still got to love them anyway uh, I've said it before. Sometimes you feel like punched them in the nose, you know, but you can't do that in the ministry. But let's look at the book of Acts. I want to look at some scriptures there, and let's look at what uh, was happening there. Verses one through four says: Now Saul was consenting to his death. At that time, a great persecution rose against the church which was at Jerusalem and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles and devout men carried Stephen see Saul was the leader that had the letters saying he could persecute the Christians so he's the one that consented for them to stone Stephen he probably held some of the coats of the ones that threw the rocks while they stoned him you know And so here he was, and it said, They were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial, and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. And so, sometimes through a bad circumstance, good things come out of it. Amen? The persecutor comes, but the gospel cannot be stomped out. You can't stop it. What happens is, it scatters like a fire when trouble comes. That's what happens in China. You know, the church there is very strong, the underground church. In Cuba, they have a strong move of God. You're talking about persecuted countries. I preached for a Cuban pastor in North Miami that had been thrown in a hole for like 200 and something days. And he hardly saw the light of day. You know, he had let them open up the, the top and let a little daylight in for a little bit. And his eyes, he was about blind when I preached for him. Because of being in that hole so long, It damaged his eyesight. I mean, but he was not going to quit serving God. They want you to back out, you know. Let's look at 5 through 8. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed, and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. See, Philip was a deacon. Stephen was a deacon. But deacons were supposed to be able to teach and do the ministry. So Philip, he's like a deacon. He's back there right now helping us run the uh, feed for the Facebook Live and YouTube videos. And he comes, he usually turns on the recorder for me for the message on Wednesday night and Sundays, and he helps turn on the equipment and what you see on the screen, and he's faithful. He's a faithful man. So Philip, see, you could end up going down somewhere in Arkansas or somewhere else and preaching, seeing miracles one day, because that's what Philip did in the Bible. He was a deacon who had an evangelistic ministry. And so we see there was great joy in that city. Samaria was an evil city at that. That's what history said. Samaria was where the woman at the well was. And Jews were not to mix with the Samaritans. That'd be like going down to the French Quarter in New Orleans. And I used to go down there, and I'd witness to people, and I would, hand out tracks and we would lead people to the lord and sometimes there'd be backslidden christians come from other cities and here we come and i mean they'd start crying right on the street because they knew they were away from god they were down there to party and i just ruined it for them by talking to them about jesus but you see uh it was a very evil city philip preached jesus christ the gospel the good news and many were saved they believed and they got baptized what an awesome thing and so we go ahead and uh, you know in Romans you don't have to turn there but Romans five twenty and 21 talks about how sin when sin doth abound grace doth abound much more so the darker it is the more powerful the light is when it comes in there and you have things happen We used to go do concerts, I had singing groups, we'd go on Fat Tuesday, that's the big party day of the Mardi Gras season, and I went out to Fat City, that's in Metairie, and that's some of the most hedonistic bars in that neighborhood, but we set up a stage and we sang out there in Fat City, and a lot of people were able to make a decision for Christ out there. It's amazing how the light goes so strongly in the middle of all that darkness. But that's how it works, see? So Philip did that great work, and we can too. See, that's what helps us prove ourselves when we're put to the test, facing the devil and all his cohorts and, and darkness, and we share the light of Jesus Christ. And there's great joy when a lot of people come to know the Lord. And it's just an exciting uh, happening. And then we see in Acts 8, 9 through 13. But there was a certain man called Simon. See, this is the title of the message. It's dealing with Simon. The Simon mindset. And a lot of people think that they can buy their way into the ministry sometimes. Or like I said, if they have the same name as somebody. Zach's not in the ministry and the lead pastor of this church just because he's my son. But God chose him because he paid a price to get to where he is and he had to prove himself. And actually he surpassed me in uh, his education. So he's learned a lot by getting a master's degree. He showed a great desire to learn about the Word of God. And so he didn't get it just because he's my son. See, that doesn't work that way. you never make it if you don't have the stick to of God's power to help you through. So anyway, verse 9 said, But there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. But when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself also believed, And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed, seeing the miracles and signs which were done. See, even Simon believed because of the gospel that Philip preached. And he followed him. And a lot of times people do that. And sometimes we have glorified people when they have been a drug pusher or something in their previous lifestyle. And now they're saved, and we get them up and have them give testimonies, traips them around everywhere to where their big thing is their testimony. And when their testimony becomes bigger than their dedication to learning the Word of God, you know, then it doesn't always work for them. Some of them fizzle out because you put them on this pedestal, you put them up like a trophy. And sometimes it's not righteous for us to do that. To put them up just because, oh, this guy. Or I remember, uh, what was his name? Bob Dylan. Remember Bob Dylan, the music guy, and uh, he wrote a lot of songs and was very famous in rock and roll music. Well, he becomes a born-again Christian. He puts out a Christian album. You got to serve somebody. You got to serve somebody. It might be the devil, or it might be the Lord. But you got to serve somebody. And that sold a lot of records to Christians. Well, then he got a little confused a little further down the road, and then he went into Judaism. That's like going backwards, you know, because a Jew, Jesus is the epitome. He is the Messiah, see? If you already know the Messiah, why would you go back into a dead religion? But that's what Bob Dylan did, and now he's, he's not even, as far as I know, practice. Uh, christian lifestyle for years i remember b.j thomas got saved and he came to my college and did a concert and i hope he's still saved today but they were putting such a big emphasis on that yet he's still doing a concert he sang raindrops keep falling on my head and all that about his feet being too big for his bed or whatever you know but uh he was famous for rock and roll music but they made him into this big deal now people like Alice Cooper are saved I've seen interviews with him and uh, he, he really has a good testimony but he's not trying to be something that he's not You know, he's using his platform to witness to those that live in an ungodly lifestyle but it's between God and all that I'm not any other judge. But we see that Simon the sorcerer, though, he came along and he followed Philip and certain things. The people, see, were heeded. They they looked at him as something great and powerful. And so uh, they had to listen to what Philip had to say so that they could believe. They even called Simon the great power of God before Philip come along. But Philip had the real deal. He had the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And then so Philip preached the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus. And men and women, they were baptized and they believed. And then Simon, he also believed, was baptized. and He followed Philip. And so this is what happens a lot of times. The modern church comes to this place. And they oftentimes stop at that spot in the road. They just let everybody, they come along, oh, isn't that awesome, Simon got saved. He got baptized. But they don't press on any further. Well, Simon, he followed Philip, but he watched with amazement. And you know what, when you see, when you've been in the limelight and you see what somebody else got, you know, he started wanting what Philip had. But he didn't necessarily want to pay a price by his learning. And so let's see what he had to say. Verse 14. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. See, Philip got them saved and baptized in water. And now here comes John and Peter and they're preaching the power of the Holy Ghost get baptized in the Holy Spirit like they did on the day of Pentecost. And so for as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So they had been baptized in water. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. And what happened on the day of Pentecost? They spoke in other tongues. Now... That was the law of first mention, according to theological laws. They spoke in tongues. I've seen people jump up and down and prophesy when I laid hands on them. So I don't know that everybody has to speak in tongues the first time they get a dose of the Holy Ghost. Uh, some can prophesy and dance and whatnot, but most people usually speak in tongues when the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money. In other words, wow, that's pretty awesome. Can I pay you some money and get you to give me that gift so that I can lay hands on people? Well, why is that? Because he was used to being in the limelight. And they called him the great power of God. But now Philip came, they get saved, they get baptized in water, their lives begin to change. Then Peter and John comes along and they preach to them and lay hands on them. They start receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And so Simon, he says, man, I'd like to be doing that. Well, if you paid the price of serving God and hanging out with the apostles, then maybe God would use you that way. But he didn't want to wait. He said, let me give you some money. Money, money, money. That was Donald Trump's song, wasn't it? <laughs> anyway, he, he wanted to give money. Where am I at? What verse? 19. Let's go there. Saying, give me this power also that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit thinking he could buy his way into that realm. But Peter said to him, your money perish with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. See, just because, let me put it this way, just because somebody has a successful business or they have a lot of money in the bank doesn't mean they can come along with you and do everything you do when God has chosen you. they Everybody puts their pants on the same way, one leg at a time, unless you're sitting on the bed. Then maybe you can put both feet in at the same time. But, you know, you're human. Nobody can buy their way into the ministry. Nobody should be given an extra special positioning just because... They bought your dinner for you. Or they got you a gift or something like that. You can't buy your way into being in the ministry. And I tell you what, I've been through the ringer with a few people that thought they could do that. And that's all I'll say about that. (laughs) Let's go on. And he said, you need, have neither part nor portion in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. I'm going through 24. Repent, therefore, of this, your wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. You know what iniquity is, right? Transgression is like a trespass. Transgression is, oh, I drank, but, you know, I used to drink all the time. Then they had a beer one night. That's a transgression. Now, unless they kept drinking, but see what happens is if they just had one beer, that would be a transgression. But if they got back in the ditch and started drinking every day again, then that's iniquity. It's a violation of boundaries. They fall back into the trap of the enemy, in other words. So that's what we see. He's telling them that this is an iniquity. That He's saying, I hope you can be forgiven, but your heart is poisoned by bitterness and iniquity. In other words, he saw that he used to be great in the people's eyes. They called him the great power of God, but now his is nothing, because now all these people are being baptized in the Holy Spirit. They're all operating in power, and so he's nothing special. And so he wanted to buy that extra bit to where he could be the ones laying hands, so he could still be looked at as a great power. And so, for I see that you are poisoned, then. Verse 24, then Simon answered and said, Pray to the Lord for me that none of these things which you have spoken may come upon me. Now, aren't you glad that he told him he was sorry? I think there was a chance for him at that point. But if you're not careful, you can be caught up to where you're on the wrong track because you thought too highly of yourself. He thought, I was called the great power of God. Maybe if I can give him some money, then I can do this. And so uh, he said, but when Peter chastised him, then he, he said, well, pray for me, that nothing bad will happen to me. So when they had testified, well, so anyway, he repented. Aren't you happy? People can repent when they get on the wrong track. Then let's look at verse 25. He said, So when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road, which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went, Behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. Sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. He had a scroll reading a copy of the book of Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake this chariot. The chariot was truck, trekking along with the horse pulling the chariot. So he asked to run up next to the chariot. And he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah And said, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless somebody guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. So Philip got up in the chariot with him. And the place in the scripture which he read was this. He was fed, led, not fed. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch, now you know what a eunuch is. They're not married and they don't have sex. Now they're either a eunuch because they chose to be that way, to serve the Lord or somebody, or they're made that way from by surgery they could make it to where a man can't have sex or they were that way from birth so there's different ways somebody could become a eunuch they could choose to be or they were that way from birth or they were made that way by surgery and uh, so he was a eunuch he was dedicated to his task so he said I ask you of whom does the prophet say this of himself or of some other man. Then Philip opened his mouth in the beginning of, at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. See, the Old Testament was full of prophetic scriptures talking about the Messiah. And so these scriptures were talking about how the Lamb was going to come and would have to give its life for the others, for the generation. And he was explaining how Jesus came and gave his life. Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here's water. What stops me or hinders me from being baptized? He right away, see, he understood as he explained Jesus to him. Because that's what Philip did. He's an evangelist. He led all those people to Christ and baptized them. They had a great revival breakout. Then the apostles came behind him. And they got them all baptized in the Holy Ghost. And even Simon, the sorcerer, repented for thinking wrongly. And now Philip's leading this eunuch to the Lord, going to baptize him. And so Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water And he baptized him. Now when they come up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus and passing through he preached in all the cities that he came to in Caesarea. Isn't that amazing? I mean to tell you, Philip, he obeyed God. He passed the test. He obeyed and did what he was supposed to do. He was to evangelize. He was supposed to preach the gospel and baptize people. And he proved it by talking to the eunuch, and he baptized him, uh, Caleb. And you know what? Boom! God took him and put him in another city just like that. It's just like he vaporized in front of the eunuch. There was no more Philip there. Where is he? He's already in another city. God translated him over to another city. That was before they had airplanes, before they had trains, buses, or cars. That was before they had hoverboards, whatever. Somebody can go somewhere on. God translated him because he wanted preaching to preach in these other cities. I'm telling you, the power of God is something else. I told you the story how I was coming from New Orleans trying to get to Pine Bluff, Arkansas, to speak at a youth meeting. And I was down on the border of Louisiana and Arkansas, and I looked and I saw the distance. I said, I misjudged this. I'm never going to make it on time. I'm on, in fact, I'm going to be about an hour late to even arrive. And I just kept driving. You didn't have cell phones in 1981, 82, when I went there to preach. I was in my little Toyota Corolla, 1977 Corolla. I was driving along, clipping about 60 miles an hour, you know, going through South Arkansas where there's more deer than people. I, that's, I'm serious, they say that. And all of a sudden, I'm on the outskirts of Pine Bluff and I look at my clock and I'm going to be right on time and I got there with a few minutes to spare. It wasn't humanly possible. I don't know how my car translated an an hour ahead. Somehow I got there on time. It wasn't possible. But God's done things like that throughout the ministry. You have to have experiences so that you can believe for the next step that you're going to take. And it's an awesome thing. I want to always get God's approval. I want to always pass the test and do what he wants me to do. Turn, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, or you can look on the screen, verses 17 through 20. It says, Therefore Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross Of Christ should be made of no effect. And this is a clincher scripture right here. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? You see, God can take us and use us. But you know what? We have to have the right attitude. And we have to have the stick the tenacity to grind it out sometimes. It's not all glorious. It's not all laying hands on people and seeing them fall out in the spirit. I've seen that happen in 20 countries. I had people fall out in the spirit in the Garden of Gethsemane. I prayed for Pastor Ken's sister, Mary. She got baptized in the Holy Ghost in the Garden of Gethsemane and fell out. Somebody had to catch her. Lay her down in the rocks under the huge olive trees in the Garden of Gethsemane. I've seen some amazing things. But it's not all glory. It's sometimes it takes your guts. It's your grinding out to obey God. It's obeying in spite of it not being easy or not being enjoyable. I've not enjoyed everything in the ministry. You know, uh, there's been a lot of times that I felt like throwing in the towel. But I didn't. And I grinded it out. And then God blessed me to step in to more glory, to glory experiences. Stand with me tonight. Father, I love you. I thank you that you have led me all these years. God, I've been in full-time ministry for about 40 years. And I thank you for that opportunity to serve you in that way. I thank you that I've had opportunity to see many saved, baptized in water, baptized in the Holy Ghost, healed, delivered, and miraculous things happen. And I give you all the praise and glory because without the Holy Spirit, none of it could have happened. Without the Word working through the power of the Holy Spirit, it couldn't have happened. And I honor you tonight and I thank you tonight that I was able to see it and continue to see it to this day. And I give you thanks for it in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Praise the Lord. I pray for you to be chosen in every way by the hand of God. Bless y'all. And you're free to go. It's probably still daylight out there.